you for listening to this message from the North Gate. One of the significant foundational pieces of who we are as the North Gate and who we are in, as an apostolic revival culture or community is what Apostle D calls us as an ark is devotion, honor, and order are three key elements to who we are. And so in that, I love that we take a service and we just teach on honor and we take a moment to talk about honor and talk about giving because these things, man, need to be taught on. It needs to not be a one-time deal and just move on with it because what happens is we wrestle in our hearts with honor. We wrestle with our hearts in generosity because why? Circumstances happen. And when circumstances happen, it will make us retract at times because we feel like we have no value or we feel like we have no worth because at one point I was honoring in such a big way and then all of a sudden something happened and I stopped honoring in a big way. And here's what I got to tell everybody in the room. The enemy knows what buttons to push on you at times. And what we have to understand is when we operate in generosity and when we operate in honor, it begins to unlock doors. Brad Custer teaches it like this, that what you honor will gravitate towards you. What you dishonor will begin to push away from you. And so in that, I just want to go over some definitions before I cut Big Mike loose here a little bit. And I want us to begin to understand what the word honor means. It means to hold or to treat as a high source of credit, high respect, to hold in high credit, to hold in high respect, to treat with worth, value, merit. Now, here's the one that will mess with everybody, rank. Rank. In the church world, when we hear the word rank, we get all, woo. But some were called as gifts to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I didn't select that. The king did. And so in that, does that show a, a, a value to you? No, it does not. Because inside of this room, you carry a piece of the five-fold ministry, maybe all five pieces. It's up to you to begin to unlock that. We don't walk around as leaders with titles. We walk around understanding that inside of all of us is a treasure and ability to pastor, an ability to evangelize, an ability to teach. And what happens is when we see people operating in those things, it's a good indicator when I see a man operating as an apostle or a prophet, as an evangelist, or as a teacher, teacher, and I know those things are in me, I want to connect to those things so I can begin to learn how to operate in the way that that individual is operating in. Y'all, y'all tracking with me? And so inside of that, there's rank structure. There's archangels in heaven. Oh, I'm messing with you now. Okay, there, there are angels that are messengers. There's angels or ranks. And what we don't ever do is what Paul said is get puffed up when somebody actually walks in the fullness of the authenticity of what they were called and who they are called to be. What you do is you learn to honor what they're walking in, the frame within a frame, so that you can begin to discover the full authenticity of who you and what you are. And so inside of that, what we've done ministerial-wise through the church for years when it comes to honor and when it comes to generosity is we've manipulated that to get our own needs fulfilled, and that's not what we're here to do. We're here to be shining, burning lamps into a dark world. We need to begin to understand the world is getting darker. That means there's less light. 
And the reason there's less light is because you don't know that you're illuminated. And if you don't know that you're a luminescent light, the reflection of Christ in the earth, it's because somewhere in 1 James, you figured out that you're not loved when you are loved. Somehow you figured it out. I'm not loved. I figured it out. I'm not good enough. I figured it out. I'm just a screw up. I figured it out. Everybody's going to reject me. I figured it out. And nowhere in the scripture does God say that about anybody in this room. Nowhere in scripture does God say that about anybody in the planet. But somewhere through the earth, we have figured out that we are not accepted by God and others. And so because we don't feel accepted, we feel like we're not honored. And because we feel like we're not honored, then we go, I'm not going to honor anybody because nobody's honored me. Guess what? Devil got you. So the moment that you feel dishonored, guess what you should do? Honor to the biggest degree that you've ever honored in your life. The moment that you don't feel loved is when you need to love big. But I, I don't know. Then get around somebody who's operating in honor and somebody who's operating in love because right now you feel crippled. You feel like Mephibosheth. You feel like you don't have a place at the table. Get around a David that will get a seat prepared for you so that you can do what you're supposed to do. And that's love and honor. Does that make sense? But somehow we all figured it out. I'm not good enough. I'm not loved. No, that's just a fracture in your heart that you've not allowed Holy Spirit to come in and heal yet because he's come to make you whole. He's come to set you free unquestionably. And the moment we see ourselves, what did I tell you guys? The first indicator of an encounter with Jesus, with the shepherds and the wise men was honor. He's here, honor. He's here, generosity. He's here. If you want to know if you've got hunger, generosity and honor is just going to start stirring in you. If I want to go find him and I want to be a seeker, that stuff's going to be stirring in me. So honor is to hold something at a high respect, a high worth, a high merit, or a high rank. Generosity, I love this is someone or something that is ready and willing or someone or something that has liberty in giving. How do I know that I'm operating in generosity? I don't feel pushed. They're pushing me to give. They're pushing me to give. No, why is your heart hearted not to give? Have you believed you have honor amnesia that he's not gonna take care of your needs? Given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Are you just talking about money? I'm no, I'm talking about love. I'm talking about honor. I'm talking about respect. Love and love shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Joy shall be given to you. Don't give frustration, anger, fear, doubt, anxiety. Don't spread that around. How do we spread that around? Good, it's generational. Look around. Anxiety in the house gets passed down to anxiety to the kids. Depression gets passed down. So why don't we start passing on generosity, joy, hope, peace, faith, righteousness, peace. Let's start handing this stuff off with what? Liberty. Liberty. I don't have liberty. Then find somebody who's got liberty. Stop hanging around with people that just complain about what they don't have. Because you're not going to find it there. You're not going to find liberty with complainers. You're not going to find generosity with critics. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all live? All right, I'm back. All right, 
We ain't Baptist, Catholic, or Methodist. I'm making sure that we are corresponding together and you are hearing me. All right? I'm like Bryn. I'm a preacher that wants to hear you preach back to me. Just don't preach over me. All right? That's all. <laughs> Foundational pieces. Honor, generosity. Honor and generosity brings us to that ready, willing, liberty in giving. Generosity is found in large or in fullness or in amplitude. I find it in big ways. Big ways. If I'm in generosity, it's not small. What are you talking about? Does that mean I got to give big money? That's not what I'm talking about. My $5 has got to be big to my heart. Listen to what I'm saying. My $5 has got to be big to my heart. I'm not telling anybody in here to go broke. If Holy Spirit tells you to write a $1,000 check, you write a $1,000 check. But what God is looking for is you to be obedient in the little things, and then you'll be obedient in the big things. And what I need you to be is large. I need you to be big. I need you to be full. I need you to be excited about operating in generosity in every area of your life, not just in the time of 10 minutes when we say we're taking up your tithes and offerings. I need to be generous then. No, I'm telling you at work at listen at when somebody wants a parking spot i dare you to give it to them even when you were waiting for it i dare you to give them the parking spot come on i need you to change the way you think we are in a dark world full of pornography full of anxiety full of fear full of depression we are in a world that is full of unforgiveness full of hate full of murder we need somebody to be the light in the darkness and you think that a gesture of holding a door open in generosity and honor isn't going to make a big deal, but it's going to make a big deal. That's why Christians all over at Christmas time, don't you dare say happy holidays to me. I'm gonna get a Merry Christmas out of you. I'm gonna get one out. I'm going to get a Merry Christmas out of you. So if I'm going to get a Merry Christmas out of you, what happens when it's not Christmas? Can I get a smile out of you? Can I get hope out of you? You know who you work with. Can you pull hope out of them? Can you pull joy out of them? Or do you want to work with Scrooge 365? Maybe, watch. What was it that turned Scrooge's heart it was a spirit it was a spirit it was a spirit some of you are going to have to be the spirit to heal somebody's past and some of you are going to have to be the spirit to show somebody their present and some of you are going to have to be the spirit to show somebody their future it's called prophecy you're going to have to begin to use the love and light of Jesus in honor and generosity so that we don't have a world full of scrooges and if you're scrooging the story then you need to connect to somebody full of the spirit Because criticism has never changed anything. It's just caused tension and frustration. How do I know? I've lived it. I've lived it. I've been Scrooge. I've been Scrooge. Don't act like you ain't been Scrooge. Don't be like that. So we need to get back to the foundation of Christ's teachings. Of why did the baby come? Why did the father give with honor? And generosity. Let me flip it on you. 
Why does the Father honor you by sending his son? Because what's one of the greatest ways to show honor? You give, right? He didn't look at it like that. The Father so honors you, he gave you his son. The Father is so generous because you're such a big deal, he gave his son. What's the reciprocation of honor? Honor. So if you gave your son, then I give you me. Then I'm gonna surrender to love because you gave me love. He who knew no sin became sin so I could become the righteousness in Christ. There's no greater power of love than one who lays down his life for another. He gave us love and so all I can do is surrender and give love back. This will change the world. And guess when it's time to operate in that? When they make you mad. You guys ready for front page news? I got mad yesterday at the wrestling match. You know who I got mad at? My friend Mike Cheatham. You know why he called me a cheater? How dare you call me a cheater? Street Thrill's always got to cheat to beat Crestwood. God, what, are you crazy? Are you insane? He was mad, I was mad, the whole gym was mad. Brandon Climac from Streetsboro beat the kid from Crestwood. Everybody's mad. <laughs> Papa would have been mad. <laughs> so what do we, Cookie was mad. Cookie went from Cookie the coach to Cookie Monster. I kept tickling his leg. Calm down, Cookie. This ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. It's just the old Crestwood Streets for a rivalry is all it is. So when something happens that nobody likes, you have a choice to respond to it correctly. So you know what I kept doing all night long? Texting Mikey, calling Mikey. I love you. You can't dodge me forever, Mikey. I love you. I love you, Mikey. I love you. I finally get a text back. Ever since we were kids, I just want to punch you in the face one time. So I text him back. I said, well, guess what, Mikey? It's been 30, 40 years, and you still ain't punched me, and you're never going to punch me. He says, I will too. I said, no, you won't. He said, yes, I will. I said, no, you won't. You know why, Mikey? Because you love me. (laughs) And you can't let emotions get so dug in that you forget to love people. Because deep down inside, you were born to love. You were born to be generous. You were born to operate in the highest degree of honor. And that is the foundation of Christianity. No matter how mad they make you, take your parking spot, flick you off, cut you off, cuss at you, send you a bad tweet or a bad message on Facebook. At the end of the day, you have to allow Holy Spirit to come in so that you could respond in love because that's what that baby in the manger was all about. We miss the fact that he so honored us, he gave us his son. Go ahead. When pastor uh, asked me to talk about honor with him today, I began to pray and instantly Mary came to mind of all people. And as I kept praying into this, I really want to talk to you tonight about how to sustain honor. 
And I saw a quote, I texted some of it out on the group meets earlier that just kind of hit home. A big point I was getting, I was like, thank you, Lord. There you go. From Chris Valentin. It said, it's impossible to manifest the fruit of a virtue that is not rooted in our hearts. So honor starts within, and it will not be sustained without being watered and nurtured over and over and over again until it completely takes root. Many of us in the room have honored like an event. Wow, come on. A Christmas party. I bring my gift. Yes, yes, yes. That's an event. A church service. First fruits. I bring my gift. Yeah. Right? I go to see Apostle Damon. I have cash in hand to give him. That's an event. But that event must become a lifestyle. And if it does not become a lifestyle, it just becomes a season that we we do for a time that we fall back into old habits. Does that make sense? How many of you experience this? Raise your hand. And every justification, well, gas is four dollars a gallon now. Oh, yeah, come on, come on. Well, it's Christmas time. Yes. Ah, he don't need it anyways. Apostle, he's a millionaire. What's my hundred bucks to his hand? Has nothing to do with him. Has everything do with to deal with the posture of your heart. And as I begin to pray about this, in it's in Luke 2, 19. I want to talk about Mary's response to the angel Gabriel. You know the story. Gabriel shows up, Virgin Mary, you're going to have baby Jesus. What do you mean? I'm a virgin. How am I going to have baby Jesus? This is how it's going to happen. Her response to the angel Gabriel was much different than Zacharias. Zacharias, it's impossible Mary's was, let it be to me according to your word. One got a silent treatment for a very long time. Wow, come on. He didn't lose his title. He was still high priest for an entire year, but now he had a he had to serve as high priest for a, in a year of silence until his son was born. Right. He was he was still that he's still a guy, but it was everything was quiet. What was you saying? Give me a tablet. I gotta write it down. Yeah. Right? And so here's the thing. The next phase of this is, it says right here in verse 19, 219, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Wow, 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 wow. Any of us can give someone money, but do we treasure the person we're giving money? Wow. Money's just a vehicle for emotion. Yeah, come on, man. It's good. And Paul said, I could give my entire house away, but if I have not love, I have nothing. It profits me nothing. So many of you did an act of honor, but it profited you nothing because you actually had no honor in your heart. And that's what we got to overcome. I don't say that condemning-wise. I say, let's get there, right? Same thing with giving. She treasured in her heart, all these things in her heart, and often pondered. Now, this is the part of sustainability. The initial part is my emotional affection is now attached to this word. The second part is how do I sustain it? I kept it close to my heart. Never became common. Apostle, one of the last times we saw him before his sabbatical, those, I think, us four, we went down to Carolina, I think, before a Myrtle Beach trip in March, I think, in 2021. And he spoke, and he said something to this family, not this particular, but just the whole family. And he said something. He's like, some of you started businesses. Some of you have this new venture. You've been promoting. You're making more money. But you're forgetting where you came from, and you're forgetting the honor that got you here. Yep. And if you forget the honor that got you here, yep. guess what's happened? Those rivers are going to dry up. Whoa. Now, I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here to ask yourself, if you've experienced a setback in your personal life or business, wow. did you forget your honor? Yeah. 
It's okay. It's not condemnation. This is grace. This is grace. Yes. This is a new day to say, you know what? I started, but I didn't finish an honor. Because I've been there. We've all been there to some degree. So this is not condemning. This is something we have not walked out ourselves. Let me posture right there for a second. Okay. So literally what he just said, he was talking about the honor amnesia. Okay. The honor amnesia is what Apostle D was talking about in that, in that mindset. And we have to start getting this correctly here. When he comes in, that is corrective what he just said. He said, if there was a degree that you started a business or you got a promotion or God brought financial increase and you were tithing, giving, honoring in those moments and the increase came, then all of a sudden inside of the provision, we either, I say it like this, stayed in the same honor or we regressed. Now all of a sudden the river starts to dry up. But it doesn't mean that it's completely empty. Because literally in the scripture text in Isaiah 40, it said that he'll make a river in a desert land. He'll create a river in a desert land. The prophet has no food and the raven brings him what he needs to survive. God's never going to allow you to go without But if we want to step into the provisions of the kingdom, we have to operate in a level of generosity. But this is what we have to begin to understand. I'm so seeing this on a paradigm right now of correction in the church versus correction in athletics. I can take a kid's baseball swing. I can set him in a stance. I can teach him to load. I can teach him to pivot his foot. I can teach him to extend his hands out. I am allowed to take people's children by the hundreds and break down Piece by piece by piece, their ability to hit a baseball, their ability to hit a double leg, and their ability to run a football. But God forbid I take piece by piece so that you can have financial provision to advance the kingdom of God. Woo, it's quiet. This is how off focus we are in America. Your kids are probably more apt to own a company and run a business and run a factory than they are to be a professional baseball player. And if we can't teach people how to handle honor and generosity correctly, because this isn't about you giving money into the church. This is about, I want my kids to run a Fortune 500 company. I want them to be in computers. I want them to be a teacher, not just be a teacher. I want them to be a superintendent or an athletic director. I want them to reach the highest pinnacle of influence so they can lead properly. Because the issue in America across the board with light and darkness is a leadership issue. Explain that one to me. Sure, I have somebody who's in a high position in our school system who can't handle kids. I look at the same leader and say, I have the same exact kids, 52 of them in a weight room for three months. Same kids for three months. Same kids, three months. Zero issues. How many leaders? One. One. Me. Numero uno with 52 kids in a weight room. Throwing weight around, slamming. Somebody could get seriously injured. But guess what? There is no issue. Guess where there is no issue with? Who's the authority in the room? Does it get challenged? Yes, it does. But it gets squashed. Nate, don't it? It gets squashed fast on who the leader is. 
Most of our issues in generosity and honor is because we're trying to figure out who's in charge rather than realizing who people are. We're fighting over who can tell me what to do and who can't tell me what to do and you ain't gonna tell me what to do and I'll do whatever I want rather than figure out you can't work like that, you can't live like that, you can't stay married like that. Nowhere in life is that successful that you ain't gonna tell me what to do, I'm gonna do whatever I want. It works nowhere on the planet in life. And that kind of attitude has nothing to do with honor and generosity. And it gets us no provision. You won't tell me what to do has no success to it. I don't care how athletic you are, Antonio Brown. Is he employed this year? Nope. Nope. You understand what I'm saying? So it's easy to understand that every issue in the world is an authority issue. Every issue in the world is an honor and generosity issue. All of that is tied together. That's why the foundation of this house is Authority, order, function, blessing, and our foundational pieces is devotion, honor, and order. Isn't it funny how the two things that we say, authority, order, function, blessing, authority, order, function, blessing, devotion, honor, order, both of those phrases have order in them. And both of those will lead you to honor and generosity 100% of the time. Mary could not operate in what Mary was if Mary did not have a, watch, heart, not language, a heart of honor, a heart of honor, a heart of honor. And I'll say it like this, how our apostle says it. If you find this as a rebuke, you'll struggle. But if you find this as me just getting you to remember something or recalibration, you're going to have a lot of success. Does that make sense? So Mary and Elizabeth had this strange encounter together. You know, there's no social media to keep in touch back in those days. Mary goes off, probably because she's getting ridiculed, I assume, right? Being four-year-old virgin pregnant, telling people it's the savior of the world. Might get you in a little social issue, social trouble. (laughs) Social media would not have been nice to Mary. Yeah, you're pregnant. So she takes a little time off and goes up and sees (laughs) her aunt, Elizabeth, right? So the very first thing, as soon as Mary walks in the door, what happens? John the Baptist in the womb leaps at the very presence of Jesus. Now let's fast forward 30 years. John is told by the father who Jesus was. This is how you're going to know. You're going to baptize him. The Holy Spirit's going to come like a dove. And when you hear John's pronouncement, he said, the one speaking to the father told me my job is to reveal him to Israel. Okay. As part of preparing the way for Christ. John knew Jesus since he was in his mother's womb. Now, you can miss, you know, mystically go back and say they knew each other and having all that stuff. But on earth, in Scripture, he was in a womb, he was in a womb, he leaped, recognizing the presence of Jesus. Now, watch this. As a fetus in his mother's womb, he recognized Jesus. Baptizes him, says it's my calling to prepare the way and to unveil him to Israel. okay. Jesus comes. Now, John the Baptist does not follow Jesus. I don't know why. Maybe he was too attached to his assignment and thought he still had to do this, but, but all this stuff. So John sends followers later Jesus, right? You know, you're familiar with the text. He goes, he sends people later. Now, John's like, I'm not even worth the touch of dude's 
sandal strap. Yeah. I'm not even, that's how much honor John has towards Jesus. Things don't go the way John the Baptist thought they were going to go. Presumably. Three years into Jesus' ministry, somewhere John the Baptist lost his honor for Jesus. He starts questioning things. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Man, this revival thing sounded so much fun in the beginning, but I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm telling you my vulnerability now. That's my yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Is man. it really going to happen? Yeah. And the devil's whispering in my ear, did God really say? Yeah. Or is that just grandeur in your heart, Mike? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah? And you start to get weary, and that thing begins to start subtly messing with you, right? And you start to get weary, and you start to lose the honor for the word you had and the people around you because you, you can't see it anymore. And you start wandering aimlessly. What happens when you wander aimlessly? Not good things. Not to go, to, I don't want to go to anyone's. <laughs> so, but I'm going to say this is John starts to lose his honor for Jesus. I'm not saying he's a bad person. So he starts questioning things, right? And the questioning gets to the point where literally the dude that prophesied whose call of his life was to unveil Christ yeah. to the entire nation of Israel questions if that's actually the guy. Are you kidding me, John? Are you kidding me? To the point where he just didn't wrestle in his heart. He literally sent his disciples to go to find Jesus where he was at. They couldn't take a train or a plane back in the day. They had to think about it. He had to pack bread. There was no McDonald's dollar menu to get out of the way. I mean, it wasn't an easy trip probably to find Jesus. They finally find Jesus. They get to him. Says some of John's followers came up to him and said, John sent us and said to ask you, are you really the one or should we wait on another? He questioned everything that he heard from the Father himself because it didn't look the way he wanted. Now, here's Jesus. I love Jesus' response, though. It's amazing. He doesn't insult. He doesn't accuse John. He doesn't like, John, what the heck you thinking? That's what I would have done. Are you kidding me, John? Jesus didn't get offended at all. He looks and he says, tell John what you see and heard. That's it. Now, watch. Tell John what you see and heard. These things. These things that you prophesied, John, are coming to pass. That's all he had to say. He was literally reminding him of the word that he himself prophesied. That when Jesus said that, that's all he had to say. Tell him what you've seen and heard. So John's reminded, oh, I said that would happen. Yes, I am the one. And then here's, here's the honor Jesus had. Instead of being offended, and this is stuff I got to work out because it's so easy to, to trigger and get mad at everybody, right? <laughs> so he says, I would have been like, dude, you seriously going to question me after everything I've done for you? <laughs> How many you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. You said, I do this for you? My wife's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> after everything I do, you're still going to question me. Here's, here's Jesus' response to rejection. You ready? This is good. Come on. You ready? What did he, he say to him? He's, he, they all look at each other and they're like, why, why would John ask this? You know, his response about how he talked about John, he wasn't like, you know, that whole camel hair thing, I think he should have wore a suit. You know, he, maybe the honey got to his head. He didn't say anything like that. You know what he said to him? He said, John was the greatest prophet that's ever, ever. walked yep. the earth. That's right. What? The dude that prophesied forgot who, questioned everything you prophesied about and who you are. Elijah didn't do that. Abraham didn't do that. Samuel didn't do that. Jesus' response was honor. The guy that just questioned me and everything he prophesied, here's how I'm going to respond to him. Right in front of his people. 
Tell him what you've seen and heard. Then he looks at his 12 and goes, John is the greatest prophet ever to exist. Yeah? yeah? Jesus' response was, tell John what you see, remind him. In other words, he's reminding him what he heard, which the prophecies, the words, remember, Mary pondered these things and treasured them in her heart, became flesh in Jesus, right? Now, Jesus reminded John doing this in front of the ones he sent. So they go back and tell John, by the way, John, he said, you're the greatest prophet that ever lived. Because John was probably questioning himself. Did I actually hear? Am I really the voice crying out? Was that me or was that another one? Am I the one that came with the spirit of Elijah? Jesus did that intentionally, I believe, in front of them. So when they went back to tell him, he could reassure John who he was in his identity. Who was John the Baptist in his identity? The greatest prophet. You mean... I failed, I sent the question in this thing, and your response to me is, I'm the greatest prophet that's ever lived? Dude, that's honor. Jesus responded to the question of him in honor. And I'm like, I need to do that. Praise Jesus. So there's honor. This is 360 degrees, man. This is not, you know what I'm saying? John starts to wane for his honor. Jesus' response is, my honor is going to trigger you. Here's what you see. Here's John. Here's a reminder of who you are. In this thing, guys, we have to put this like Mary in the forefront. You know, as I'm, as I'm on our service, okay, we're going to honor pastor later. What do we say? What do we do this? What do we do? How do we go through this? And I start, you know, he had his text out. He had me text out to listen to Dutch. And my God, how many of you listen to that podcast? That's your story. Yeah, come on, man. And I'm sitting there, and it was just like, I'm... John the Baptist, and I'm hearing Jesus re-identify me through prophetic words for them and this house. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I didn't even realize, I forgot he prophesied these things in 2016. So you know what I'm going to start doing? I wrote them down. They're in my phone. You know what I'm going to do? I'm praying for them. I'm praying over us. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to remind the Lord of what he said through an apostle to the nation. A lot of you never heard of Dutch until you came here. That's okay. He was still an apostle, whether you heard of him or not. Older prophetic movements, he was the man. He was the Lou Angle. He was the Bill Johnson. And he still is in those movements. Like he he's the dude that would get you fired up and he gets he still does. And I'm hearing that man, what he said at Charles Finney's grave, what he came back, what he prophesied into that, what he prophesied into this house. And, and even though I'm pretty good at remembering words and keeping notes in my journal and, and what I hear the Lord say and what people say, I was like, my God, I could grow in honor for the words that you've given us in this house. Yeah. You know what that does? It renews my honor for them. It's not that I thought less of them or took them common. It's, it's when I hear Apostle Dutch say, like the Wesleys and the Whitfields, can you feel that? Come on, come on. They'll talk about revivals that happened 40 years ago, and the Lovejoy name will be a part of that. And he begins to go on, he begins to pray over them, and he begins to say, but you got to move forward in your identity. Yeah. You know what he says right after that? You will finish. You will complete the process of the new identity. You and everyone with you, and you're raising up a company, Northgate, that will save an entire nation 
one family at a time, one school at a time, one city at a time. And then he goes on, he says these things. You know what that does? I was like, my God. And as I'm hearing this, I begin crying. I'm honor. He's restoring honor to a higher level. Why? Because we come in every week, and sometimes people don't feel like worshiping, that I get discouraged, that I probably discourage him because I'm like, what the heck was that about? It's like people never got in the presence of Jesus before. No, I know. Yeah, we, you know, just things you deal with as a leader. You know what I'm saying? You have your bad day. We have bad days as leaders. But then when I go back and it's like, no, 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 no. And I have to remind myself, no, 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 no. That what I feel like is not who I am. What I feel like is not who these people are. What yeah. I feel like is yeah. not anything. It's saying, he said, with them and everyone with them. And I'm going to hold them because I'm looking. I'm like, I'm running with the Lou Angles. Of Streetsboro in Ohio. Yeah. I'm running with the yeah. Bill Johnson. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm running with the Apostle Paul. Yes. And people don't understand that level of honor. They don't understand that time commitment. They don't understand the generosity. It's because they can't see them rightly. And there has to be something in our heart that literally is so big, no matter what anyone on the outside says, because they don't get it. I have family members listening to try to say, you don't have to do that. Why do you have to go travel there? It's Christmas time stop, you're not part of this conversation. Love you, but you have no voice in this. Wow, What's wow. in my heart toward honor toward apostle in this? There's no question. It's, it's the practical stuff I'm working through, how we get there, we fly, try. that's it. We're working out the practical stuff. Whether we're going or not is not questionable. Whether I'm, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not, it's not bad people. It's people that just don't see like we do because they're not a part of it yet. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so no matter what happens, that honor has to be so big in here. It has to surpass every offense. Every offense. But I don't like this. I don't like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That honor has to be so big, no grievance can come between you. The honor has to be so big that no matter what happens to me. Come on, when Christ goes up to the cross and literally the dude stabbed him in the, he looks at him like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That sucker just put his spear in your side. And I can, I can say I'm not close to that yet. I, a lot of times I screw up. But then there's moments where I get in the presence like tonight and the Lord reminds me of who I am. It reminds me of how loyal I am. It reminds me of these things like you think you're all bad, but let me just, you know what I'm saying? Let me remind you of these things. You're like, oh, okay. I'm really not as bad as I thought I was. I heard someone say before, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are either. Somewhere in that middle. But that honor in your heart has to be so big that nothing else matters. Listen, I'm so excited to go to Mobile, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I wrestled with it this time. Even entertained ideas of how I can get out of it. It's going to be completely transparent. $1,000 plane tickets. I got to drive two hours. Did I have to go here? What about vacation time? What about this? Oh, man, it's going to suck. I'm going to have to go through security. Just thoughts in my head, right? And I, and I finally got to the point where in my head, I had, you, you come to the light, right? And you have to say, Lord, what do you say? So I'd set apart an hour and I start to pray and I said, Lord, I want every one of these thoughts I'm on ahead. What do you say about me going to New Year's? I start praying in the spirit. Come on, man. I saw a plane. 
but I don't want to buy a plane. It's going to be $1,000. Can't we just drive and save money and I can write the mileage off? And I'm just going through my analytical mind. And, I, and I'm like, maybe the Lord didn't just say that to me. And I'm praying in the spirit. Guess what I saw again? Airplane. Airplane. And Jen probably didn't know, but she would be like, praise Jesus. We don't have to drive. <laughs> so as I begin to seek the Lord, guess what happened? I begin to like the, the tenderness of the Lord begin to come over. And honor begins to be restored because all the details... If you focus on all the details, the what ifs and all this stuff, and what it's going to cost you, you will literally put a hole in your bucket of honor and it will leak down to zero. But when you say, Lord, what do you say? When you're struggling with that, Lord, I'm uncomfortable with this. What do you say? Or I don't want to deal with inconvenience. I begin to cry and I begin to get excited. And now when I think about the end of the year, even though I don't want to fly the plane, I want to land security lines. I'm ecstatic about going down there. And then watching this Friday night, I said, that's why I have to be there. Again, there's a place of intimacy that I'm going to get in that atmosphere. And this is going to be another life-changing event. So listen, we've all been there. I just told on myself in front of everybody. Yeah. Your honor inside, you have to maintain. I will not let from this day forward, hold me accountable to this. Let the 15-hour drive Wayne, my honor for my apostle and for the what's happening down there. Does that make sense? Yeah. The cost, the price, all these things that it's like, it's so easy to, it's true, but it doesn't matter. When you start to feel that begin to rise up, get yourself in a place of prayer and let the honor begin to swell up because when honor swells up, the questioning just disappears. The first sign that your honor is waning is when you start to question everything. I'm not saying it's wrong to question. I'm just saying... Your honor starts waning when you start to question because what you're doing is you're putting something in fear before his face. Let your honor grow, Northgate, and let it get rooted so deep. Questioning it doesn't have a chance because just like joy comes in the morning, so does understanding. The experience, the honor comes first, and then joy, the honor, when it needs to make sense, it'll all make sense. We'll go back and we'll look back and we'll go, oh, that's why I had to do that. Dave Ramsey, yeah. oh, the economy is down. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I got some money in my savings. I don't have to worry about losing my job. Right. Right? Right. Does that make sense? Come Let on. your honor be so big yeah. that every opposing voice doesn't matter. So in that, he hit something about how John's first words, everybody look up at me. John's first words is, here comes the lamb. Yeah. I'm not even worthy to lace his shoes up. That's his words, right? A time later, because it's proven they were supposed to have a relationship. In the womb, both babies jump. Lives are supposed to be intertwined, correct? Honor, in their older days, both of them, you have to think about this, both of them are 30 years old at the time. They're the same age. They were pregnant at the same time. John is 30 years old, baptizing people in the wilderness. Jesus is 30, getting ready to be announced as the beloved of the Father. I can't lace your shoes up, cousin, family, brother. We've been yoked together our whole lives. Our whole lives, we've been honoring each other. Our whole lives have come to this moment. Northgate, we've been running together for 10 years. Our lives have been intertwined this whole time. There's some people in this room, I've almost known you my whole life. And right at the moment, I told some this morning in in the prayer meeting, some of you are so frustrated right now, 
You want to leave and abort when you're about to birth. You're literally about, this thing's about to birth and bust loose. It's supposed to be painful and there's supposed to be contractions. I feel like this is good. I feel like this is bad. I feel like this is good. I feel like this, something's happening, what, on the inside of me right now. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I really believe? That's what he was just saying. He knew who Jesus was. You really know who the North Gate is. You really know who our apostle is. You really know the Christ. You know revival. You know awakening. You know the Holy Spirit. You know that this ain't supposed to be normal. You know this ain't supposed to be casual. You know this ain't supposed to look like everything else. But yet when the cost comes for you to birth and the pain and, the, and there's no epidural with this one. Give it to me, you're too far into it. Give me the epidural right now, you're too far into it. You're too far into it. And the problem is this is what you actually prayed for. This is actually what you prayed for and he's wanting you to completely go through a gate and do completely away with the old. Because the gate of heaven on earth is different than the gate of hell on earth. And we keep dancing between gates of heaven on earth and hell on earth and we keep bouncing back and forth and we keep wondering why am I at this gate that looks like heaven on earth and then all of a sudden I look at this gate and it looks like hell on earth and you're really actually just going in a circle or you're just flipping back and forth because you're like don't know which way to go because the way to get through the gate called beautiful that is straight and narrow has to have the dark night of the soul and when you say dark night of the soul everybody's like oh my gosh what do I got to do now? Just surrender. And we're so scared to surrender to ourselves. But if you lose your life, you'll gain it. And how do I know when I'm stepping through the dark night of the soul? When I take my hands off of everything, God will start giving you cities. When he tells you the word to honor and walk around the city 13 times. When he tells you not to bow in Babylon and you get thrown in the lion's den and you get to play with the lions rather than be eaten by lions. You stay in your boat of comfort or you walk on water like Peter. But this boat's been good to me and this way's always been good to me. There's more religion in the church than we've ever realized. And it's not skirts and King James Bibles and Southern Gospel songs and that's what makes you religious. No, what makes you religious is what seems right to you but the end is death. What you keep figuring is the right way. He's going, no, 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 no. That's why you're not getting the result you want. That's why you're not getting the feeling that you want. Because what seems right to a man and therefore is death is not sin. Because sin has never been right to a man. It's religion. And so how do we step through this gate of honor? Do you know that Jesus, when he healed the man with the withered hand and he began to heal the sick... He had not quite teached his first sermon to the 12 yet. There was men that got to follow him and see miracles, but they hadn't been taught with him yet. They hadn't been intimate with him yet. And there's a few teachings that Jesus had to teach them before they ran off and started creating miracles. See, what we do in the church is tell everybody, go save and heal and deliver. That's not how Jesus led Let's look at the scripture here. 
Because how many has believed for years that straight is the gate, narrow is the path? That was heaven. If that is, we're in trouble. Because that gate is small and there's only a few make it. So the Jehovah Witness Church is down the road. You better get there quick. Because only 144,000 is going to make it, which means they got a lot of members that are getting left behind. Don't know if I'm ever going to go there. Just don't believe like them, that's all. Watch this. Go to Matthew 7, verse 12. In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way. You'd want them to treat you. For that is the essence of all the teachings of the law of the prophets. It's a golden rule, right? Treat others how you want to be treated. Don't flip scriptures till I tell you to flip scriptures. Stay on 12. Treat others how you want to be treated. Jesus comes in and says, hey, you want a deep prophecy? You want to hear the law of the prophets? Treat people, honor, the way you would want to be treated. That does not mean when you don't get what you want, you talk about the person that treated you that way. John can't lace his shoes up. Probably a year or two later, who does he think he is? Same guy you've been running with for 30 years. Same guy that you've been running with for 30 years that you know the Holy Ghost put you two together when you were in your mama's womb. Same cat. Same guy you were called to run with, but your language about them changed. Your language about them changed. You knew you heard the word of the Lord So now we're past the honor of giving money generosity. Now it's about honoring words. Some of us feel stuck because we've stopped honoring words that the Lord has given us. We've stopped honoring this city. We've stopped honoring. That's what I'm telling you, man. When we walked into City Hall, they're like, for us? Yeah. You're the gate that brings everything in. Why not? You're the gate that brings everything in. So what's the gate that enters into life for us? This teaching right here. In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you'd want them to treat you. For that is the essence of the law of the teachings of the prophets. Go to the next verse. Come to God through the narrow gate because the wide gate and the broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. It's not about hell. This is about hell on earth. Everybody's choosing a marriage this way. It's the new trend. Be married for about 10 years and get divorced because we fell out of love or your words changed for each other. When the word of the Lord came, how did you talk to each other? It's quiet but it's the truth. Our children, we got the word of the Lord for our kids. When the word of the Lord didn't come and we wanted it to come and needed it to come, how did the word of the Lord change over our kids? How did the word of the Lord change over our city? How did the word of the Lord change? Do our kids look, I'm going to preach for a minute. Do our kids look more like the wide road of the earth or does it look like the narrow path of the kingdom? When I'm raising up the next generation to seek the face of God, the Jacob generation of Psalms 24, do my kids need to fit in more with the world or do they need to fit more into the kingdom? Where do my kids need to fit? Where do my kids fit? 
Some people have found this place as a home because their kids fit better here than in the way of the public school that is a wide, narrow, or wide gate that leads to destruction. Hell on earth. I don't want my kids to have to fit in with the trendy songs, the trendy clothes. Why? Because it's going to change anyway. T-Bone could not believe that the shoes that he wears were not popular when I was in high school. They weren't, buddy. And your kids are going to think you're a dork too. So I don't need to go into debt to try to get my kids to be popular and be accepted by a crowd of people that's going to lead them to a path of destruction. All right, question, right? You ready? I'm going to make somebody mad, and I don't care, okay? We're going to go to the liquor store. I want your 13-year-old to go up to the counter and buy a bottle of bourbon. Anybody in the room think it's going to happen? No, it's not. Guy at the counter is going to laugh at him. Now, next thing I want you to do, I want you to take the same 13-year-old. I want him to go to Verizon. I want him to ask to buy a phone, and I want him to ask to get a plan. Are they going to get it? So do at home, do I put the bottle of bourbon in the 13-year-old's hand? This is why we have a sexting issue. Because we don't think that a phone is as dangerous as a bottle of bourbon. But we had a kid in this city that killed himself over it. And we had four girls in the middle school that got caught sending pictures in the seventh grade. These are the phone calls that we get to pray about that you don't get. And I'm gonna preach the truth. I don't need my kids to look like your kids. I don't need my kids to be popular. I don't need my kids to be accepted by Streetsville City Schools. I need my kids to be a shining light. When other kids think it's cool to team up on another kid and bully them, I want my kid to step in and say, no, come here, let me shelter you, comfort you. Because the golden rule that leads to life and not you having your kid popular and bullying other kids will eventually lead to destruction because what you do to others reciprocates and comes back to you. And while you're picking on every Everybody else, eventually that's going to turn around and it's going to be your kid that you walk into the bedroom and he's got a gun on the bed because he wants to end his life because he's not popular in a public school system because we're afraid to teach the Bible anymore. That's been my year the last two years. And then when you get up and preach the truth, when the seventh grade girl commits an abortion and the mom and dad call you and ask you to pray, pray for what? Pray for what? The emotional instability of the broken 13-year-old girl that we allow to be alone with a boy because we think they should be in divorce practice called dating? You ain't taking my, kid, you ain't taking my daughter or my sons out on a date until I reciprocate and see your marriage. Because I know how you're going to treat my daughter and I know how my sons are going to be treated by looking at mommy and daddy. Oh. This is why we're called to be different. Because somebody's got to stop the divorce practice. Somebody's got to stop the bullying. Somebody's got to stop the sexting. Somebody's got to stop the pornography. Somebody's got to stop the vaping. Somebody's got to stop the heroin. Somebody's got to stop the fentanyl. I don't need another phone call from the school system that they were vaping in the bathroom stall and kids were passing out and over DN. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need, I don't need the overdose calls. That's what we're getting though. That's what we're getting. And, I, and we need to pray as a church of America. You know what we need to pray for? They shut TikTok down because it's, ha- it's about to happen. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. 
It's about to happen. It's about to happen. You know why? Because we don't know, verse 12, treat people how you would treat yourself. We have a wrong standard of honor for ourselves. Every time I see a selfie of a little girl dressed half naked with her duck lips and her mouth hanging out, I want to slap her parents. Law of first mentions, law of first mentions, law of first mentions. I explained to my little girl what that is. I said, honey, do you know what duck lips are and do you know what them girls stick their tongue out is? I said, that is literally an example of pornography. Daddy, what's pornography? I said, yes. You get to hear from me what pornography is first. And I got to hold that girl in my arms with tears running down her face, praying that she'll never fall into the trap of perversion with her friends to fit in, to give lips that look like she's a porn star. Because I'm going to teach this girl to love herself so that she can love others. So that when she does become a beautician and she does own her own cosmetology place, all the women that come in that gave duck lips and hung their mouth out and got raped and were in oral sex and were busted. And every woman in this room knows what I'm talking about. You know about rape? Listen, we have not yet seen the demonized perversion of free touch pornography on a cell phone. We have not yet fought that. Darkness. We're only seeing a degree of it. I'm telling you, I feel that John the Baptist rising up on inside of me because I'm done getting the calls of seventh grade girls exposing themselves to be loved. And I'm tired of parents giving them phones to be their friend because the child might get mad. Brother, that's that's righteous anger, is what it is. That's righteous. And people in here don't even want to look at me right now. Why? Why? Why are you wrestling with that? Why? Why are you wrestling? Parents, grandparents, why are you wrestling with a wide gate that you know leads to destruction? Because the church was afraid to talk about having sex before marriage which is in the book. Got to live with them before you marry them. No, that's not, that's not it. That's not it. That's religion again. It's what seems right to you. It's what seems right to you. Well, brother, you can just raise your kids. I will raise my kids however I want. And I'll lead this church however I want to. And if you have, your kids have a phone, I'll lay in my house, in my house, and pray that your children are protected. Because I don't want the phone call like the young man. Read the parent's story. See how goosebumped you are about your kid getting mad. Take every precaution to keep them off social media. You know what's funny is? I don't even think kids are allowed to have even that social media stuff till they're 16 anyway. You want to know how I know that? Because I can go look up 7th and 8th graders that says, I'm 18 years old. Way to promote your child lying. Book says something about that too. Book says something about that too. Book says something about that too. 
We have fell trapped to our own religions that what seems right to a man, the end is death. And narrow is the gate. What's the narrow gate? What's the narrow gate? Don't drink, don't smoke, don't. That's not the narrow gate. The narrow gates love people like you love yourself. That means love my children the way I love myself. Love my wife the way I love myself. Love your kids the way I love myself. Love your kids the way I love my own kids. Some of you are mad at me right now because I'm actually loving your children. Some of you are mad at me because I'm actually loving your kids. Because not my kids, not my kids. I've heard that from almost every parent. I'll put the parental blockers on the iPhone. Ask the teachers how well that works. We've got the, watch, we've got the parental blockers on the laptops at the school. How well does that work too? When the parents have to walk in on their child with a school laptop looking at pornography. I'm just telling you truth. This is what my year has been. This year. This year. This year. I want a gate that leads to life, not death. I want a gate that leads to life, not death. I want a gate that leads to life. It's okay to look at your child and say, you're not dating until you're 18. You can go to, listen, I've told my kids, you can go to the uh, movies with a group of kids when you're older. I'm Jimmy Lovejoy. There ain't no way on the planet Taylor's getting in that car with him and nobody else and going to the drive-in, going to Twinsburg, to the it ain't happening. You're going to take Taylor out. You're going to take Tyler. You're going to take Buggy. You're going to take Trent. You're going to take Toby. You're going to take Nate. You're going to take Cam. You're going to take Johnny Bollinger, and then y'all can go in the church van to the movies. And then if one of you boys want to take Alexis or Talani, you'll go with all 15 boys to the movies with the two girls. That's strict. No, it's called safety. That's strict. No, it's called the kingdom. It's called I want her to walk down the aisle the way she walked down the aisle. And I want the other one standing at the end of the aisle to not watch. When she walked the aisle, people, John Hinchman says to me, he said, I've never seen a grown man cry so hard. When those doors flew open and I saw the beauty of virginity and purity to know that I'm the only man she's ever laid in a marital bed with, I had to wrestle with my own Ishmael and go, God, I'm not giving her what she's given me. I'm not, thank God for her grace. Thank God for her love. But I'm not giving her what she's given me. Look at me. Quit. Do- There's people dodging me in the room. Why? This is love speaking to you. This is love speaking to you. Some of y'all don't know it. I work in the school system. Katie Lynn could sit here and Leah could. Leah will tell you the conversations that has happened with second graders. 
is what we talked about in high school, second grade. Something's got to shift here that we don't raise our kids like everybody else did. I was not going to make this about the kids, but why am I making this about the kids? Because if I can't reciprocate and push honor into the next generation, then honor will be lost. And where's the greatest place that I could teach honor to my children? For them to love people the way they love themselves. That was what Jesus, Jesus said, for you to enter into a narrow gate, you're going to have to love. For you to enter into a narrow gate, you're going to have to love. And you know what? Most relationships, I want everybody to hear me. Most relationships that are broken and shattered, I want everybody to hear me real clear in this. Relationships that got broken actually have never stopped loving. It just needs a moment to heal and mend. From every divorce to every broken friendship to every broken between mom and dad, between daughters and mothers, sons and fathers, do you know that there actually is nothing broken? It just hasn't been healed yet. I'm hitting it. Because most of us won't give a chance for the gate to happen of I'm going to love you the way I love myself. And it's hard for me to love you the way I love myself when I don't even love myself. I'm the screw up. I'm the screw up. I'm t- I got hard on your phones. And some of you started beating yourself up. You need to go through the dark night of the soul. You know what that means? Surrender. What if the truth is You haven't messed this up. You're right on time. You're right where you're supposed to be. But grace came today for you to love your way out of this. Taylor, come here. You got your phone on you? Yep. What's in your hand? Bring it here. Watch this. What did I just do? I took her phone, right? I took her phone. Why? Because I love her. If I grab her and I correct her, it's because I love her. This and correction is both love. You want to know why? Because when we had a selfie talk, did she get whipped? She did. Do you know what happened after she got whipped? She got pulled into the arms of the father. Do you know what happened while she was in the arms of the father? She got affirmed. She got prayed over. My wife was in the room. We wept and we cried as a family. And then I pulled away from her and I held her. And I explained to her who she is. Do you know why I can do that? Because I know who I am. I am your daddy. Will I be your friend? I will be your friend, but I'm your father first. And if I place this in your hand, I'm going to have structures on it. I'm going to have guidelines on it because I love you. But I'm going to parent her and I'm going to nurture her and I'm going to affirm her and I'm going to speak life into her. Does that mean she's not going to make mistakes? Listen, I have whipped this girl, whipped the boys way more. Probably count on one hand how many times I whipped her. Y'all tracking with me? It's not to say she's not going to make mistakes. It's not to say you're not going to make mistakes. But who's praying over you? 
Who's correcting you? Who's affirming you? Who's nurturing you? Are you tracking with me? Do you know what I'm teaching this little girl? Honor for her father. I'm teaching her honor. Where am I teaching her honor first? For herself. In Christianity, we don't want to get this close. Come here, Jen. Because she's one of my closest spiritual daughters. I have corrected both of them. It's not easy at times. We're friends. We are close. But I identify you. I love you. You need these relationships. Look at me. This is the only way the kingdom works. You need these relationships. Because you know what's happening? When I correct her, and I correct her, and I correct him, and I correct him. I didn't know we were going here with this, but we need it. We need it. When I bring correction to them, I'm only loving them. The way I love myself. Well, how are you loving yourself in that manner? Because the same way that I help them in life is the same way and honor I submit to a father, to a father. And I'm learning to honor my words. Listen to me. I'm learning to honor my words. I'm learning to appreciate my life, my world, because it's very easy to look at life and go, man, I can't even lace these sandals up. This life is amazing. I just bought a house in Streetsboro. I just started my company. I just moved locations. I just got a raise and a bonus. God, you've been so good to me. How can that narrow gate be so beautiful and then all of a sudden I get stuck in the wide gate and everything feels like it's falling apart because somewhere I stopped loving the people around me because somewhere I stopped loving myself. And Jesus did not come so you would not love yourself. Loving yourself and loving others. Does that mean I'm not going to talk to you because we have a different opinion on phones? Listen to me. You can have your opinion of what you want on a phone. But you're not the one that gets the phone calls. So do you understand where my heart comes from? Do you understand where my heart comes from? Now listen to me. If that happened to anybody's child in this room, I'll stand with you through it all. Look at me. I have honored this house well. You know how I've honored this house well? I've walked everybody in this house through something. Through something. Tina and I and the leaders of this house have stood by you, and we will. And we will. But I'm telling you, our language has got to take a 180. On this city, look at me, on this city, we've got to take a 180. Why do we got to take a 180? Because our kids, not the kids of the North Gate, I'm telling you, drugs, vaping, pornography, sexting, 
is destroying our kids. And dishonor is running rampant. I, listen, I can't speak for Crestwood. I can't speak for other, but I hear the same stuff in other schools. What I am to prayerly consider is Streetsboro. Teachers are afraid they're going to get jumped and beat up. I'm, I'm looking at moms across the room going, there was a, a young man that just moved to this school. His dad just moved him here to be a part of our wrestling culture. He's troubled. His heart's messed up in some ways. But we didn't roll out the welcome wagon. A lot of people were jealous because he's good. He's real good. Listen, no, he's real good. Like him and Trenton have had some wars and he's upper-handed Trenton quite a few times. He's real good. And jealousy ate at people to the boy was only in school for three days and got in a major fist fight because of his heart. Listen, what's going on in our hearts? That's all we can focus on. What's going on in our hearts? And we have to answer this question, Northgate. Are we willing to love the hell out of addicts, out of broken homes, out of misunderstood kids? Listen, out of the white-collar suburbia America that tries to hide everything. Are we ready to love them? Because I think for this misfit house, you come through the door busted up, we know how to love you because that's our backstory. But what happens when they come in here and they've got money and they look like they have it all together, but inside they're hurting so bad. So bad. So bad. We have to tap into love like no other. And how do we do that? By never running into honor amnesia. That has he not been good to me? I'm prime example 101 as a leader of this house. I've messed it up. But I'm also a prime example of his grace, his goodness, his kindness, and his love. And you don't want to know what? You're not disqualified, and neither am I. Actually, you know what, Brian Hunt makes you more qualified. Listen, to the one that can get back on their feet, Cookie, it makes them more qualified. To the one that knows how good God is and can stand up and people know you've been through hell. They know you've been through a divorce. They know that you've been cheated on. They know that you've been lied on. They know that you've been talked about. They know that you've been broke. They know that you mishandled the money. They know you mishandled the company. They know you messed up. 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 Your character did not look good in front of other people. Makes your story even better. Makes your story even better. How did it turn? Clendenin, how did it turn? You got arrested seven years ago. How did it turn? How, how did it get so good, Warren? How? 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 In our leadership Christmas party, Joey and Stephanie started in leadership. They moved out of leadership. God brought them back into leadership. 
You know what that means? They've always been called to lead in this thing. They've always been called to lead in this thing. And you've always been called to the mission field. And you've always been called to own your own bake shop. And you've always been called to own the gun shop. And you all have been called to do great things. And we knew you were going to get to get the farm. It didn't matter if you worked in the gravel pit or where you worked. It was going to happen no matter what. You're going to get the daycare. You're going to own the daycare. You're going to own your own. You're not called to be young explorers forever. You're supposed to have the greatest daycare in the city of Streetsboro. Why? Because God knew you were supposed to marry the man that would one day be the mayor of this city. You're not screwed up. You just don't know who you are. And we keep going down a wide gate that when I talked about the wide gate, it ruffled everybody's feathers in the whole room. It ruffled everybody's feathers in the whole room. It ruffled everybody's feathers in the room. Quit going down that gate. Because when I start talking about the narrow gate of who you are and what you're supposed to do, all of a sudden the room started exploding. If I start talking about what you're supposed to be and how you're not disqualified, and how it's not even over. Actually, where you're at right now, where you're at right now, this present moment where you're at right now, where you're at right now, you prayed for it. You prayed for it. You prayed for it, Bridget, and the whole thing's about to shift. You prayed for it. You prayed for it. What are you afraid of? Yeltons, you can't own a company that advances the kingdom. If he can't take you through the dark night of the soul, that you say, Father, I trust you with every piece of it. Come on. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Face your fear. Face your fear. Face your fear. Some of you think it's so over and it has so just begun. Do you know why? Because narrows that gate and I'm gonna go through it. And I'm gonna go through it. And listen, no matter what kind of hell I go through, I'm gonna surround my people with honor that love me and I'm gonna love me. I'm gonna love me right now. And I'm not gonna love me selfishly. I'm gonna love me right now. I'm gonna love me. I'm gonna love me. I'm gonna love me. I'm gonna love me. You know what I have learned in 2022? that I love huge. I've loved huge. And the next piece that I was going to read out of Luke is how to love your enemies. Not to love your enemies. I want you to hear me this. You know what the first thing Jesus taught his disciples? He taught them how to love his enemies. He taught them how if somebody takes your jacket, give them your shirt. Next thing that he begins to teach them is people are going to persecute you. They're going to make fun of you. What was he getting them ready for? For when you do start operating miracles. Not everybody's going to jump. Real, genuine, miracle-working power of Christ. Not everybody's going to jump on your bandwagon. They're actually going to persecute you falsely and call you a cult. You want to know why? Because they can't conjure up miracles themselves. So the first thing that you're going to have to learn is you're going to have to learn to love those that persecute you. That's why he speaks on two gates. And the way to get through that gate is to love people the way you love yourself. Treat people the way you treat yourself. And guess what? That's going to get attacked every day. Every day. 
And you'll choose whether to honor and you'll choose whether to be in generosity or you'll choose to be offended. You'll choose to start pulling yourself away from the people and the things that you're called to do. And you'll call yourself on a new adventure that's actually a detour that'll bring you back to what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. You'll go on a detour of what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. You'll even detour away from the place, but you'll come back to the place. You'll come back to the place. That's why you're home now. Because what initiated in a baptism this past summer was actually a birthing for you. You're home. And you're going to see family come alive like never before. Mama, you're going to see family come alive like, don't run from this. Don't get your roots in. What's happening in your heart is your heart's coming alive. And fear and everything's trying to hit you right now, that's not what it is. It's love. Jeremy, put your arm around her. You're home. Mama, you're home. Jeremiah, come up and get around mama. Come on. Come on. You're home. I need church to pray right now. Come on, just pray. Just pray. Let love begin to invade right now where we feel broken. Let love begin to evade where we feel broken. Let love invade where we feel disappointed. Let love invade where we feel like we failed. Let love invade right now. Come on. Come on, authenticity like never before. Authenticity like never before. Authenticity like never before. Come on, for me to take other people through the gate, I've got to allow my heart to be healed. I've got to allow wholeness to come to me so I can show other people how to get through that gate. Come on, that's what the message of Christmas is about. The message of Christmas is about that we needed redemption to find life. And we thought it was repeating a prayer. Up there it said, if you learn to love yourself and treat others the way you want to be treated, you'll find life. You won't find it any other way. You won't find it any other way. Treat people with decency. And for people in the room that feel misunderstood, I, I want to do this. If you feel like people misunderstand you, I want you to raise your hand. You want to know how I feel like that? Because that's me. Raise your hand. I feel like I'm misunderstood. Raise it high. Do you see it across the room? Now, if they have a hand up next to you, I want you to just slip your hand on them. And I want to pray this prayer. Hold your hand up high. I pray a spirit of rejection off of you. Somewhere in your heart and your storyline, it's only a matter of time before they reject me. It's only a matter of time before I'm too much for them. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before they reject me. It's only a matter of time before I screw up too many times. It's only a matter of time before I run my mouth. It's only a matter of time. It's only, come on, we break that off. I'm misunderstood. They don't understand me. They, don't, they just don't understand me. I go all the way back to where you feel like you didn't fit in. And you can go there right now in your mind and I speak Jesus healing that wound. I don't fit in. Yes, you do. You fit in big in somebody's story. And you fit in big here. Don't you give up on yourself. There are people in your everyday life that need to hear your frequency. 
There are people every day. There's a school full of kids. That's why you're there. There's a, a, a daycare full of kids and a high school full of kids that need to hear your voice. And music is your gate. There are people at your work that need to hear your leadership. There are people in your life that need to hear your voice. There are people that need to hear your voice. Your voice matters. Your love is needed. Do you hear me? Your love is needed. Your love is needed. And, and I'm going to say this in the room because I, 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 can, I can discern it by the Spirit. Tricia, when your baby laughs and makes those noises, that is not a distraction in this house whatsoever. And that's for moms watching on the way of live stream. We got babies in here making noises. I don't care. I do not care. I don't care. You want to know why? Because we have to get the next generation in the church to hear the gospel. If not, the wide gate is going to devour them. And I'm done thinking that medicine and counselors, and listen, I honor psychiatrists and all that. I honor all of that. But I'm telling you, we don't need as much medicated kids and we don't need as much counseling, therapy, and psychiatry if we would learn to tap into love and we would learn to honor authenticity. I ain't spoken here in two months. Prophesied, prayed, led the spirit, yes, but taught. This house is about to go through a narrow gate and we are done being the ox. We're about to become the face of the eagle. And the face of the eagle is not, I know some of you are going to, it means the mysteries. It does. But you know what more than anything? The first message Tim Sheets ever taught in this house was the message of the war eagle. Does that mean we're going back into warfare? It does not. It was men that partnered with eagles that the eagles would grab them by their shoulders and they would come in through an air assault. It's time. Listen to me. Our kids need to soar. But mom and dad, I'm gonna need you to fly first. I'm gonna need you to fly first. Our kids need to soar, but I'm gonna need you to look from a different view. We're going to be done with our own religion around here. What seems right, but the end is death. That's a, that's a wide path. I'm taking a narrow gate. I'm taking a narrow gate. I'm taking a narrow gate. And that narrow gate is if you want me to walk around the city, we're going to walk around the city. If you want me to put my staff out and we walk through the Red Sea, let's do it. You know what this is permission to do? Do what God tells you to do. Look at me. Do what God tells you to do. You're in that school. Do what God tells you to do. If we got teachers that can put rainbow flags on kids' shoulders, then you can do whatever Holy Spirit tells you to do. Leah, you can do whatever Holy Spirit tells you to do. God will cover you. He'll protect you. 
B, cookie, whatever he tells us to do. God's already called you this morning to discipleship. Round up your Peter, James, and John. And listen, it's not the boys in this room. You are gonna go get kids and start to rescue them. It's not to say you won't mentor kids in this house, but I'm telling you, there's gonna be time on the mat and there's gonna be time in the hiking trail and there's gonna be time. I pray for discipleship over Curtis's farm right now. Let that let the Bilt's farm be a land of discipleship. Let the boys of the man away. I'm telling you, you've you've been by my side in the burrow to go see how you're to do it at Manaway. But I'm telling you, it's time to partner with Timmy Summer. It's time to partner with some of those brothers. It's time to bring revival back to Crestwood. You're supposed to bring it there. Yeah. Yeah, just dream. Just dream. Just dream. Just dream. You'll come back from Mobile different. You're even going to take a day. I see this by the Spirit. You're going to take a day and you're going to go just walk the streets of Prattville by yourself. I don't know if that's on this trip. I don't know what it is, but you're going to go back to Prattville. God's going to connect you back to a church in Prattville. You're going to go back and you're going to share your story. You're going to show the whole real deal unfolding of your story. And you're going to have revival meetings that will last a period of time in Prattville. But the initiation of that will start in the unfolding from 2022. I'm going to tell you exactly how it. You felt like 2022 was a disaster, but 2023 is going to be a celebration. 2023, you're going to look back and say, it will be the greatest year of your life. You know why? Because before church, I sat in my office and I watched a 15-minute clip of the ramp. And the Lord said, I told you you'd have one of those in Streetsboro. That was the original plan, B. That was the original plan. That's why you got sent here because you know what that's all about and you know what that feels like and you know what it takes. But God's going to redeem some stuff in Alabama from the 28th to the 1st. God's going to redeem some stuff in your storyline. Your apostle. There's a difference in a spiritual father and an apostle. There's a son, your apostle is going to lay hands on you in Mobile and it's going to reignite your fire for revival. Damon's going to get his hands on you and the flickering flame that the Lord has been guarding over your life is going to light on fire. We're allowed to be fiery, be. You're allowed to be fiery. I'm telling you, there is significance in this room. And we're going to find out who we are in Beloved in 2023. There is significance in this room.
and we're not going to be afraid of it. Travis, you stick real close to Justin. Stay right where you are. You're going to be a right-hand man to some amazing things. I call the gift of creativity out of you. I call the artist out of you. You're going to go into bathrooms and kitchens and you're going to start whispering to Justin what you see. And even homeowners are going to have a mindset of what they think it's going to look like and you're going to start telling them, no, this is what I see. And they're going to trust you and say, go for it. In the fear of the Lord in this room, I'm going to say one statement. Tonight is a good proof that we are not called to be normal. And I refuse to look like the world. I refuse. I refuse. Because normal Christianity may get you to heaven in the sweet by and by, but the kingdom will give you heaven on earth. The kingdom will get you heaven on earth. And that gate's narrow. But you know what I think? That doesn't mean a lot ain't going to make it through. And I know the scripture says few will find it. I think few will find it first. But here's the awesome part about the narrow gate. With it being narrow, you can only go through it one way. Where a wide gate, you can manipulate yourself around the crowd and get through. This gate is narrow. This gate is narrow. This gate is narrow, and it's the gate we're all called to. Not, not chosen men. Those that will surrender. What is the surrender? The surrender back in the day was a Nazarite vow. Discipline. The dark night of the soul is a surrendering to love. Dark night of the soul. I've been studying this and looking it up. Dark night to the soul, when you begin to Google it, says an end of a means to yourself. Which the last two months, I can't figure any of this out. I have no ideas. I'm not giving you the vision for 2023. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get in his presence. We're going to pray. We're going to get in one mind and one accord. And we're going to go after God. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom.